Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 319. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. How you doing, pal? Good, man. How are you feeling? I, I understand you're a little bit under the weather. Yeah, and I must apologize to our listeners. Uh, it's been my fault. We haven't uh, had a show for a little while here. I, I've done some damage to my back, so I've been under some serious meds, and I'm only just sort of adapted to them, which is part of the reasons why I can do the show, although... Um, I'm definitely a little high. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're saving the leftovers for me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put them in a little bag. I'll be there before you know it. Yeah. <laughs> Some good stuff. It's not stuff I'd like to be on, but, oh, man, is it ever helping. I couldn't even sit. I had to only stand, and I was cramping, and, oh, it was awful. So it's been a miserable couple of weeks. Well, just don't get addicted, brother. No, no. I, well, yeah, I, I don't. It, I'm, I've got one of the lower addictive possible. Uh, see, I can't even speak. Lower. <laughs> um, Imagine what it would be like if you were on the higher end stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's still an opiate, so it's like, whoa. But, yeah. Anywho, <laughs> um, it's necessary when the pain's on. So, with that said. <laughs> Some good news. I'm really good with good news, man. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> 10,000 nice. members now at our Google uh, community, Google Plus community for SEO 101. Uh, fantastic. 10,000. Jesus. Remember when we were so impressed when it went to three? Oh, yeah. And that was even, that was like huge compared to what Facebook was doing for us. Oh, yeah. It's sad. I think, I think we had a few years of promoting the Facebook page. And I think we had like under three or 400 members after years. Yeah. It was starting to kick into the pay to play bit there, I think. And it just wasn't as, I don't know. People yeah. don't search sucks on Facebook. So there's no one really searching oh. for SEO very well. Right. Whereas yeah, always, Plus, it's been, busy. yeah. Uh, yeah. Search has always sucked and probably always will suck at Facebook. If Facebook survives, that is truly incomprehensible why that is so hard for them. I, I just don't understand. There's enough Google, uh, ex-Google staff members that could be hired to fix that. Well, I, th I think personally the main problem they have is permissions, right? Because when you post, you post with certain permissions and most people on Facebook don't make their posts completely public. There's a lot of them are and businesses are for sure. But for search to really, really take hold on Facebook, they'd have to figure out a way to get past that permissions piece. And I don't think they will. Well, see, the way I, I see it is, and, and this is definitely SEO related here, so this is a good conversation because it would make Facebook so much more important from a marketing perspective. But is if, you know, first of all, public and um, business posts are are indexable and that's already a case through google although it's pretty weak mm -hmm. um i would doubt that they're indexing all of it although i guess it's possible but if communities in facebook or groups they're called there um had some sort of setting where they could enable snippets from their community or even full 
posts from their community to be available mm-hmm. from a spidering perspective, then people could find them and go, hey, this is interesting. I'd like to join this group because they can't do it. They have to do that to see anymore. Yeah, okay. and there's and there's again it goes to permissions because there's public and private groups. Private groups, of course, you're not going to see any of that content. And that's honestly in the groups that I'm involved in. That's where most the the good stuff is. You know, ends up being is when you get a really good dedicated group of people all talk. You know, passionate and talking about a subject. That's where it gets really intense and a lot of the good information is. Those groups are good because they're private. You don't have a lot of people going in that that kind of muddy the waters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting. Honestly, though, I think Facebook's in a world of hurt right now with all the oh. stuff going on in the news. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with any kind of regulations around them because there's no way that, that we're going to come out of this mess without you know some kind of governmental regulation, at least at least in the U.S., without some kind of governmental regulations hitting this social media um, provider community. It's going to happen. Uh, did, was it just me, or did you also completely just lose it a bit? Like I, I was completely blown away when I heard that Zuckerberg said that, I guess you're going to have to regulate us. Um, he wants regulations for two reasons. One, he wants it because, A, he can point to the regulations and say, look, I have to do this because they told me to. He, he wants to put tighter controls on it, but because of the way social media works, this is my opinion, because of the way social media is such an open source and everything is open and open, and if he's seen starting to clamp down on stuff on his own, that's going to hurt his brand. But if they tell him, no, you have to do this, then then I think he has an excuse. So part of me thinks he wants some of those regulations, mm-hmm. but he's gonna he's he's not gonna like what he gets because they're gonna go way beyond he what he hopes for, in my opinion. Because I, the people it, making the regulations don't understand social and, and everything involved. No, it's a very good point. And, and I, I think you're you're dead on there. But I, I I still you gotta you gotta think where his mind is right now has to be so far past where he was when he started, when he was probably very protectionist of it, because I mean he's made so much money. Oh I mean, yeah. He's, I mean he's he, he really could probably like well, all right, do your worst. We'll we'll make it work, and I'm happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he could retire tomorrow and not worry about anything <laughs> for many many lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, it's it, the whole thing is is utterly fascinating, and I'm glad it's happening. It has to happen. I think everyone agrees with that. It's just a yeah. mess. Well, I think the I think the, the thing everybody's overlooking, not everybody, but a lot of people are overlooking, is this is all one guy's fault. And that one guy is going to get, get, I don't know what's going to happen to him, but something needs to happen to him. That one professor who, who legally got all that data from Facebook before they changed their regulations, what he did do that was illegal is he sold it to that company. He was not allowed to do that in his in what he signed it to. He sold that information, and that was what started this all. And that one guy, that one professor who sold all this data, is is the culprit behind all this. And he, well, not the culprit, but he's the one that started it all. Is that? Uh, hmm. I don't remember Who's his name. Is he the? Name. Is he the one that's from Victoria? There's a guy from Victoria that was part of that. Maybe. Back before Facebook changed the rules and allowed the apps to, when when you when they they did a paid program for people to take these quizzes, and he actually paid like two hundred some thousand people to take quizzes on Facebook, but when when you were paid to take it, 
Facebook rules allowed them not only to get your information, but all of your friends' informations. So that's how it went from 200,000 people who were paid to take the quiz to 50 million users' data that was gathered. That 50 million, um, the data around those 50 million people is what this guy sold to this company that then used it for the, the political manipulation that they did. Yeah, this is a, was this uh, someone from Cambridge Analytica or is that the company that bought the data? That's, that's the company that bought the data from yeah. the professor. Okay. All right, we're going off track. I, I'm fascinated though. So I try yeah, it's not an amazing to, but, story. It really is. Yeah. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to change all of our lives at, at some level. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always up for, I mean, I, I love innovation. I love businesses doing well, and I think it's good. I mean, that allows them to establish a product that actually has some legs, unlike Google and their bloody apps that disappear within a year. Um, so <laughs> I do appreciate that. But I also like it when they get shaken up, things change. It's it's. It's a little disconcerting when one company has so much. So yeah. I've been say, I've been saying for years, Facebook will go the way of MySpace. Um, yeah, I, I, you and I've argued about this many times, and I still believe it. Well, I, did I completely disagree? I don't know, but it, I I don't think I would. But I, I would say that it's it's going to take a while. Um, it's so entrenched, but and yeah, there's no yeah. great there's no great replacement yet. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of this is going more visual um, so that the, the visually focused apps and, and networks are going to get a leg up here pretty soon. I don't know. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to watch. And we got some stuff that's a little more heady too coming up here that, about uh, some of the future of, of search and uh, stuff we obviously get excited about. So hopefully you'll find that interesting. But first of all, um, an in-depth look at Google's new zero result search pages. Now, before we get into this, you should know that <laughs> since we posted this, because again, we've had to cancel a couple of shows, um, they've since stopped this test. Well, However, well, well, let's 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 step back even a little bit further. There's probably a lot of people listening that don't even know what you're talking about when you say zero results yeah. search pages. I was getting there. I was getting there. So right. <laughs> I got to keep you on track. You know those drugs yes. have got you meandering. I'm keeping yeah. you on track. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it when I do. Um, so. Essentially, what happens here is if you do a search um, and you find no results except for one, and it's literally the answer, that's what they're calling. And again, this is really, really general, but that's what they're calling a, a, a zero result search page. So the answer is there, but no results to people's websites where the answer would be. And th what that's happening here is Google is taking that information and presenting it as its own. This is the answer. Now, in many cases, the examples were based on really simplistic things like you're know, doing a search um, to get an answer of an equation or uh, yeah. things that can easily be done in Google's end that really doesn't require providing search results. Now, people were taking advantage of that, as they should, to provide great content and, and hopefully get people to click. But Google was feeling like, well, if we can just provide the answer we're not really taking business away from people, not that they really care, but um, <laughs> uh, they can provide this experience that is immediate answers, immediate gratification. That's their goal, right? They want to provide the best experience for users. Uh, so that was essentially what they were, they were practicing here. They were testing, and uh, they've since dropped it. 
but yeah. and, and and I think just just be clear, a lot of these results that had these zero results answers were very, very specific, right? What time is it in Phoenix? Someone's searching for that. All they want to know is what time is it in Phoenix? And the answer pops up. The odds of them actually clicking through any of that other stuff is pretty, pretty slim, right? You can b- build all the pages you want tied to what time it is in Phoenix, but someone searching for that is probably not going to click through anyway if we, if they're given the answer right there at the top. So Google understands that, and it was very, very limited in what they did with these, these zero results pages. Um, it was very specifically, if there was only one correct answer in most cases, you know, if there's any kind of conversation or discussion that could be had about what the result of that search would be, you probably wouldn't find a zero result page. It was. I thought it was very, very limited. I actually liked it myself. I know a lot I, of people were yeah. complaining about it, but I liked it. I don't, I don't see any reason why there's a problem as long as it's very straightforward like that. Mm-hmm. Now, where listeners, where you should know this is a, a reason we're bringing this up from an SEO perspective is um, the the ultimate fear is that Google will just start providing the result, the answer. They'll choose what it is, and then they'll just provide it, and that limits the amount of traffic a potential website can get. And that's significantly a significant concern if it gets to that point. I don't believe it will, mm-hmm. uh, at least not for, uh, you know, I, I, even this was a test, although I think it was fine. Um, the one example where, eh, I don't know, is that the one example they provide on, this is the sempost.com, and the, email, they, the, the articles call it in-depth look at Google's new zero results search results. And at the very bottom of that article, um, they show an example of date in London. So essentially what the date is in London, which is kind of a strange question. Anyway, um, that had the answer, so a zero result page. However, it had an ad above and an ad below. And the reason I see them doing this, um, although it should really have had organic results too, is that's kind of an obscure question. Is Mm -hmm. Are you asking for a, a, a date? And that's why the first result is an elite singles site. And the next one is uh, also a dating site. So, you know, they're so covering they, their bases. Have you looked now that they've stopped doing the uh, zero results? What does date in London provide? What kind of results? I'm just looking no, real quick. I haven't. So maybe you can tell Because you're right. It's like top listings, 50, top 50 London date ideas, 100 L- London date ideas, date night in London. So all the ser- organic search results are about, you know, um, at least the top ones are about dating in London. Uh, there's one in here about date and time no- notation in the United Kingdom, but pretty much everything, best bars for a hot date in London. You know, there's one in here, current local time in London. It, 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 yeah, I mean, that I think is was an anomaly as far as they they took that date word and assigned it to too constraining of a of a uh, construct right so yeah. they assumed the person meant date of the the year date in, in a, on the calendar as opposed to you know going out with a, a you know another person and having a good time yeah well and, and and i would object to this result example because it only has ads whereas if you're going to have ads you got to have organic that's my opinion it's got to have some non-paid results um, so I'm, I'm glad I don't see this anymore. Uh, so, that so I, I did, but 
I don't necessarily agree with that, right? As far as the ads versus the the organic. If I want to know what time it is in Phoenix, and I'm not in Phoenix, and Google knows that, there's there's a connection between me and Phoenix. There's no problem for them to show me an ad of things to do in Phoenix, or you know, you know, great restaurants in Phoenix because it's I'm obviously interested in that area. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent against ads in it. I guess I, was I, not, I didn't say that I was, and I think it's just that if there is ads, it should also be organic results. Um, and I, I just believe that, that that provides a better rounded result um, and probably higher quality because Google doesn't check these ad sites for quality. I mean, they have page quality score, but that's it. I mean, that's yeah. not the same as checking for absolute quality of the site. Um, so I think, you know, organic where they have to work at it should be in there because you're going to get a better result in many cases. Maybe. Yeah. Anyways. We'll um, see how it goes. They stopped it anyway, right? So. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it'll happen anyway. But when it comes down to the other ones, I'm all for them. I think, you know, if you want an equation answered, cool. Put it in there. Um, if, if it is at all ambiguous or sounds like the person could be asking more about mathematics, no. That should provide more results that will perhaps educate a person versus just giving them an answer. And I, you know what? These guys are way smarter than us when it comes to this stuff. They are yeah. obviously already thinking of that, and hopefully they'll end up with a good result that we can all be happy with. Yeah, and if, and there's it's interesting, too, when you think about this, because there are other types of questions where, you know, if you don't want to know what time it is somewhere, fine, that's great, or what the answer to a formula is, that's great. But there's other questions that have very specific, there is only a right answer, like who was the, the 14th president of the United States. But there's also other, other information about that. So if, if you answer the question, who is the 14th president of the United States, I can see where people would be scared that someday they would only give a zero result answer because there's only one possible answer. But I think Google's smart enough to realize that if it's a topic as broad as that or an entity, because they're looking at things from the perspective of entities now as opposed to um, topics, right? If there's an entity involved, a president of the United States is an entity, there's lots of other information that can be seen or read about that entity beyond just that one question, right? But is time... The, the time in Phoenix, is that an entity? I don't know. And maybe that's the way they're focusing it. Yeah. And I mean, there could be um, related information that could provide a lot of value to a searcher. You know, like you mm. said about the presidents, it could be that right. you know, it's part of Google's responsibility, in my opinion, to provide a result that also engages a user to look elsewhere and learn new things. Yeah. So yeah, there's lots to it. Okay, well, let's... Uh, that uh, took a lot longer than I expected. So let's take a quick break and we come back. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit of voice search. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Catholic Charities is committed to providing life's basic needs. We thank you for bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs and how important these people are. And we ask you to guide them to protect them and keep them here forever because this community needs them. Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org to learn more. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. 
I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping high speed on a horse named Archibello. So yes, my body hurts, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. Oh, Archibello! Learn more at brainhealth.gov. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. Okay, class. Take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right. So this was uh, this is interesting. I had to include it because I'm fascinated with this. I know we both are. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a voice search discussion at SMX West. SMX West is a, a popular conference in our industry, and uh, first conference, people- first conference I ever spoke at back when it was uh, what was it before it was SMX uh, Search oh, really? Engine Strategies. Search yeah, Engine Strategies. Yeah, I was going to say SES was what yeah. you were. Yeah, not SMX. Yeah, but. before they changed it. Yeah, um, actually, they didn't change it, did they? They just started a new one after it was sold. All it's right. a new company. Yeah, it's a totally yeah. new. Yeah. Um, so this has uh, three speakers, Benu Agarwal, uh, Jason Douglas, and Arsen Rabinovich. Um, they uh, all had some significant insights and interest in voice search, and they wanted to you know, provide some value to the, the attendees. And it, I thought it was pretty damn interesting. Uh, I actually struggle. I mean, we've talked about doing a, spe- a, a talk on this, you and I, and I struggle determining what people would want to know. And they did a good job of finding some some decent data. So we'll just do a bit of a recap here. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to this article, but I, I've hey, I'm i looking forward to getting into it. I haven't read it myself, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to really gloss over some of it, but I, I did read it, um, and it was lots of interesting things. Um, one thing is that seventy uh, percent of all voice queries are already in natural language format. So in this case. Um, uh, one of the questions may be, how much time is left on my banana bread? <laughs> and and Google could answer, you've got five minutes and 12 seconds to go. And this could be because you set a timer on your phone. It could be a number of different things. Um, but Google has to have a significant capacity for understanding conversations to answer that question. Um, and natural language, is it's always been a bit of a battle for these um, interpretation systems. So um, it's interesting that it's going that way. I mean, I personally imagine that a lot of people initially started asking questions that way that then they found the garbage is, or the answer being garbage right uh, but now they're mm-hmm. moving toward natural language because it's it's actually doing a decent job of it now um, so that was that was one area um, it, it, interesting is Google personal assistant is already present on more than 400 million devices as of today wow <laughs> that that's pretty impressive yeah, um, and apparently that's still half. Um, now I'm not sure if this meant hardware though, but half of the devices that Amazon already has, I bet it's devices. That must be the hardware. 
Um, they've got half the footprint that Amazon has. They certainly had a first-to-market advantage uh, with the Alexa app. But anyway, pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, um, they were talking about um, the smart displays coming out soon. I was interested. I actually wanted to buy one. I'm always getting whatever's coming out because I'm fascinated by how it's going to work with life and such. And It's not coming out to July, probably the first one. But these are essentially assistant-driven screens that you could have in your, in your, in your household, um, which will give you graphical responses as well as, as voice. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for that, you know, coming from the perspective of uh, um, everything. If you've got a passion for pumpkin, you've got to get to Dunkin' and pick these up. Our new pumpkin cream cold brew, smooth, bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam and our delicious pumpkin spice signature latte, rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle and cinnamon sugar and our perfectly pumpkin donuts, munchkin treats, pumpkin muffins and more. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Pick your pumpkin at Dunkin' like our new pumpkin cream cold brew, pumpkin spice signature latte and our perfectly pumpkin treats. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. From recipes to uh, what's happening in the news, you know, what tell me about this, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's it, graphical is is missing, and I'm glad that's coming. I think that mm-hmm. um, having that built into our screens is going to be cool. I've got that on my Android TV, my new one. Um, it's got uh, a Google Assistant, but uh, it could be a whole nother level of cool if they had that kind of capability, where it really, mm-hmm. you know, turned it into a smart screen. Well, one of the things I found interesting, just kind of breezing through this, was when people use voice search. And you're, you're talking about your televisions and devices, but a, a vast, vast majority of the top end is people use voice search when they're driving, which I thought was really interesting. And it really kind of reframes to me, you know, right now, and that's going to change over time for sure. But right now, people are using it when it's convenient. Some of the top things when they're driving, when they're doing other activities, watching TV, which goes into your your smart TV thing, um, working, cooking, exercising. Um, it, it's interesting that it's always when it's inconvenient for them to type something. Yeah, sit down. Inconvenience. And type. That's where I find it. it's true. Yeah. Like I, I, I often use it when I'm in the bathroom, like when I'm just going to go to the shower or something. I've got a question. I'm like, oh, hey, because I'm, you know. Thank, thank you for clarifying things. that the bathroom uses was for showering. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, and you know, when I'm maybe I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking and I'll have a question for Google or whatever. I. I you know, we're always thinking about stuff and I'm, I'm fascinated because I love the fact that we can find out most likely a correct answer to most questions online. That's pretty interesting. Um, what was really, really cool here was talking about, and, and this isn't a surprise to anyone who's been listening to the show and frankly just knows anything about SEO, but um, a lot of what drives whether or not your content shows in voice is... Oh, and also any kind of context, even Google, is schema these days. Um, they, were, they showed some really interesting stats about how schema drove significant increases in search share. Now, the voice part is harder to, to, to capture, and they didn't do, a, I don't think, personally, a great job of showing that. I don't know how they would. Well, it's though. interesting because Backlinkio came out with a voice search research study where they, just recently, within the past couple months, where they analyzed 10,000 voice searches, and they concluded that schema had no impact whatsoever on voice search yet. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, and, and, yeah. and you know what? It's all about, I would bet, the 
the portion of the internet they're they're searching or they're testing. Yeah. Exactly. How the hell could you possibly test it all? There's just no way. Uh, it, whichever niche you're in, whichever marketing, the type of questions, there's so many variables to determine, you know, which is which. Never mind whether a test is going on at that very moment, because Lord, oh, I can yeah. imagine the tests are happening right now as they, they work out the kinks in the system. Yeah. The other thing I found interesting in this, just kind of breezing through this, I'm just kind of looking at the big graphics that are in this article. <laughs> they I know, a, you're used to that. It's all good. Yeah, I know. I just look at images and go from there <laughs> <laughs> and just make up the facts behind them. Oh, this seems like Ooh. this. No. <laughs> so they have one about matching matching voice search w- with intent in the content. And it's really interesting to me because I, I, this kind of goes against what I would think would be natural. They broke it down into three different types of intent, informational intent, people looking for things, how to do things, tools, FAQs, that kind of stuff, navigational intent, how to get somewhere, um, where things are. Um, and then, um, transactional intent, how to do things, right? Um, looking for videos or podcasts, that kind of stuff. 80% of the voice searches, according to this graphic from this presenter, were tied to informational intent queries, people looking for information um, about things as opposed to where to go or how to do things. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, too, is is if you uh, it was a way to look at how to get your stuff into Voice search. Now, again, all of this stuff is highly experimental. It's all brand new, um, practically brand new, at least certainly from a marketing perspective and, and, and trying to do it tactically. But if you already have a top ranking for a page for something that's relatively um, question based in terms of a search, what they're suggesting is you create, a, um, and I believe it was a schema answer within 50, with, that has an answer within 50 words, completely clear answer to a, a direct question that the page already has a decent ranking for and then you have a better chance of having that appear makes good sense right and apparently yep. 50 words is a sweet spot that's an interesting I, I hadn't heard a specific number i knew it was at the very beginning but within 50 words that's new to me so that's interesting yeah it, it was interesting i'll quote here from arson um it says i see a lot of people sharing reg- regarding featured snippets being 50 words or less. This is true, but it does not mean you should be making pages that are 50 words or less or generating frequently asked question pages Mm. with many short answers and expecting those pages to produce snippets. In my experience, Google prefers pages that answer the direct user question in 50 words or less, is also embedded in content, and answers many of the user's related questions. I prefer information-rich pages that contain those short direct answers and a lot of supporting information. Yeah, Which, and that, yeah. and that, that, that supports what the Backlinkio study said, too. A lot of the content that they said were they were very, very heavy content-laden pages were showing up with the uh, answer boxes, i.e. the voice search results. So, But I have seen in my own research, I've got a client I've been researching this for and looking at some of their competitors that are showing up in those answer boxes and voice search results. And I did find one competitor that did exactly that. They took their FAQs, made a page for each one, and... You know, they would have an answer show up and you go to that page where it pulled the answer. And the only thing on that page was like a one or two sentence answer. And that was it. And it was showing up and I, I tested it. It showed up in voice search and answer box. Hmm. So it, it, it's it's inconsistent right now. But it, but that could very well be because there was no other site out there that had a better answer for that question. And so they picked that one. 
And if, if we as a competitor go in and create a, another page with a longer form answer, but making sure we answer the question in the beginning of it, but a longer form page of content tied to it, I wouldn't be surprised if we couldn't supplant them and get that, that uh, spot. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, well, may, and they talked too about trying to determine what those questions are. And I, I love question-based search uh, research because there's always fascinating stuff. And you can find some gems that you can get ranked for that deliver traffic that can actually convert. But in this case, they're recommending using a, a program or uh, sorry, a website called Answer the Public. Answer the Public is awesome. Yeah, it is. And yeah. um, that that is a good way to find uh, questions or queries that are likely to be used in voice search. Again, you can only guess, I suppose. But does answer uh, the public still have that kind of freaky guy that's behind the the when you first go to the homepage? There's this video of this guy that's just standing there and moving around and looking at you while you're trying to decide what to type. It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty uh, disconcerting if you haven't seen it before. <laughs> I loved it. I thought, oh my god, this is so cool. I'm just going to it now. Yes, he's there. Yep. Is he there? Awesome. Yeah. He, oh, yep. There he is. I'm looking at him, too. He looks very frustrated that you're not typing faster. Yeah. <laughs> Hit your button gear. Come on. Oh, he's he's even more overt than he was before. <laughs> is he? That's uh, great. At least like, he's even giving a lip. Anyway, nice. Funny. Uh, yeah. Answerthepublic.com. Check it out, guys. It's pretty cool. Uh, they got a good idea here. Um, anyways, there's a lot more to this, and I, I don't think we can cover more of it because, frankly, it's it, it's well, it's three presentations try to they're trying to consolidate into one article anyway there's some good stuff here and it's it was all put together by eric enga so thank you eric good job all right what's next here um so it's interesting i mean i know we missed uh, a show last week but um just prior to that there was a a core update to google and google confirmed it um and I thought we would talk a little bit about what a core update is compared to something like a penguin or a panda that we're used to hearing about um, with these names. Um, a, a core update is, is, from what I understand, is really just that. They a lot of the underlying. Um, connecting pieces to the algorithm um, get tweaked or updated. Um, they have to do this on a regular basis. I think Danny said they do it three or four times a year as a core update. There might be more specific updates that target a very specific thing that's happening in the algorithm and they tweak it and they update that. And, and you know, something like a, a penguin, which is really going to say, okay, this is pretty much dedicated to this aspect links in the algorithm, where a core update is really just the underlying facility of how the algorithm works overall that impacts sites overall. And um, they they confirmed this core update happened around the seventh of the month with another tweak just last week, I believe. Um, they also very specifically said there's nothing you can or need to change if your site was impacted which is a little bit hinky. Uh, you know, if if some sites do better and some do worse, there's obviously a reason some <laughs> did better and some did worse. So if you can figure out what that reason is, you can make a change to adjust for it. Um, and, and, and to me, I think the best write-up of this that I saw was uh, by Glenn Gabe on his website. Um, it's gsqi.com. And he ended up calling it the... Uh, the brackets update because within the middle of March Madness and everybody's filling out their brackets for the the, the college basketball tournament here in the states, um, but um, so I, I recommend going and read that. There's really not a lot of specifics he has. He shows a lot of examples of sites that have that have were impacted positively or negative by this one. One of the interesting things that I thought that I pulled out of that 
was in the beginning of his article, he talks about the early signs that this was coming. And he says, there's a, he talked about rich snippets being like a ripple in the water that something's coming because there's something happening to rich snippets. Um, and, he, and I quote this from his article. Says, there, there's a quality threshold to rich snippets. Therefore, you can see sites gain or therefore you can see sites gain or lose rich snippets when major quality updates roll out. So the idea that that the rich snippets are kind of like a preliminary indicator of changes to quality updates, and this core one is basically a quality update um, from 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 all the analysis that people have done is basically tied to quality of your site overall, not quality of individual pages, um, though that impacts the overall site quality. But it's really a quality update more than anything. And if you and the other thing, I just want to pull up a sec. I want to make sure I get it right. Um, he 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 had a really good kind of synopsis of what to think about when you're thinking about how to prepare for these things. One of them was, you know, your your audits of a site and the crawl analysis of a site and things to look for to make sure to stay in line with really good quality sites. You have to look at things um Pretty much everything. You have to look at user UX barriers, technical problems, aggressive advertising on your site, content quality, of course, all those kind of things pulled together and interconnect. And as you do a core update at Google, those are the things that are really going to have an impact on that. Um, excuse me. I uh, talked about continuing to create great things on your site, whether it be video or content or just publish good quality content in all its forms on your site. Um, get good feedback. Um, and, and I think it really, a lot of people don't pay enough attention to the the impact of advertising on your website. And I think that was interesting that he really brought this to the forefront in this particular update that I, I don't think this one is targeted specifically to advertising, but I think it makes, makes a difference. So if you look at all these different things combined together, that's kind of like an overview update, the core update. It's not like you got to do one thing or another. You look at the whole picture, and that's what these core updates address, right? Yeah, and, and it's so simple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a breeze, right? <laughs> and it, it's really interesting to me too because uh, there's there. And I don't want to get past the update piece yet, but there was also some conversations taking place, a couple of them that I pointed out about how long does SEO take? And one of the things they said, uh, Google actually was one of these things about how long does it take to, uh, if you make a change on your site, how long does it take to see an impact? And Google said, specifically, if, if it's something that's like a technical, like you've blocked the site with robots.txt and you fix that, that's going to be pretty much instantaneous. But if it's a big core update to your site, kind of like the core update to the algorithms, if you've got a site that has tons of low-quality pages because it's it's got a bunch of directory pages that are pretty much empty and just sending you to other pages or whatever it is, but if there's a ton of low-quality site or content on your site and you take the time and you clean it all out and you make it really nice and pretty and all the pages of your site are now high quality content that work it affects your overall site that kind of work you could take up to six months to see the results from that work right because it's more core to your site i think the same thing here and i've seen people talking about this with the with google's core update when they change the algorithm at a core level as well it could take a long time for you to see the impact of that on your particular site there's going to be some sites that are impacted immediately because of whatever they changed but it's a it's a much more fundamental change 
and it's going to take longer to see that impact on your site. Same way as if you make a fundamental fundamental change to your site, it may take take longer for Google to absorb that and and change your rankings as well. I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine that also uh, what also matters is your crawl budget. You know, just how important your site is and how often it's indexed, and to what extent, will also play a role in how quickly you see any kind of result change mm-hmm. as well. Huh. So you, I know you had a, a segue you wanted to jump into here about uh, how long SEO takes. I mentioned, I heard you mentioned six months. Uh, so that, that segue the, away. That was the segue. Your drugs are kicking in. I was kind of segueing between you know the core update, and then how long SEO takes is kind of tied together, right? It takes a long time at the core level, but if there's a specific focus of something, like like if if Google is targeting links, you're going to see the impact of their algorithmic update more immediately. And if you have a very specific things like a robot.txt that you're fixing, um, you're going to see the impact in the results immediately. So depending on whether you're targeting something specific or if it's a more of a core change to either the algorithm or your site, it's going to take longer um, to, to be visualized in your results. That's all I was saying. <laughs> yeah, it, what you said about drugs kicking in took me a bit to, to, to sort of filter through, and I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> they really are, in fact. I There was another article actually out there recently about how long SEO takes, and I thought it was a really good read. Stefan Spencer put it out. He did a really in-depth um, analysis of what are some of the things that really impact how long it takes SEO to, to be um, uh, have impact on the search results. And if you get a chance, read it. Um, I'll put a link in our community. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting, for sure. Excellent. Well, we went um, a long way with these just few articles, and I think uh, we're going to have to tie things up. There's just no way we're going to fit everything in. So, um, good show. <laughs> yes, it is. Can, can we at least can we at least talk about the guy, the the ship chain, the Bitcoin guys that got busted for paying for articles on Forbes? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just brought it because because a lot of people Actually, are here talking. Well, okay, before you jump into that, let's take a quick break because we did only get two, uh, only get one in there. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back and and jump into some some soul crushing <laughs> right. news for those poor buggers. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Yes, we all feel very sad when, when these, these guys get nailed, don't we? Yeah, well, I thought it was funny that it was a Bitcoin company, right? Because <laughs> everybody's talking about Bitcoin, and it makes sense. So there was a company called ShipChain, which was really tied to 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 basically the Bitcoin industry and trying to make money on on this new financial tool. And they got busted for paying a thousand dollars for someone to write an article on Forbes. Basically, you know, it's a paid posting with links to their site, right? It's it, it's really connected to the whole guest posting link building tactic. I wonder with how this, they got caught. I mean, I know a lot of people who do those. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, there's way too many people that do those. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I haven't. I did not see that in the article, but then again, you know me. I, I look at the pictures and then skim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The pictures didn't show the answer? Oh, man. It didn't. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> um, no, uh, but, but, but it's one of those things where it's just another example of people trying to cut corners. And when you get busted, it, it, you get hit hard. Oh, here it is. Oh, the guy who did get the content up there was asked for an example of how he did it. Ugh, stupid. Anyway, he gave an example of one of these articles that he managed to get on Forbes. <laughs> yeah, let's just tell everybody why not. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot, and and even people I I you know I respect have um, connections to get stuff like that. And it's it's inevitable. Anybody, anybody that's been in this industry more than a year has those connections. I mean, I've got the connections. That I would never use them, but I know who does and who doesn't do this oh, kind yeah. of stuff, right? It's, but I am interested to see how they got caught. But now I see it's just someone being yeah. very stupid. Um, yeah. In, in, in many cases, though, I mean, it's, it, these are big, big companies. Or, or sorry, these, these news articles have to be decent. They have to get past editorial. The fact that they include a link is the only reason they're getting any, this author is getting any money. The yep. article itself has value. There's nothing. There's, it's not fake. It's not garbage. Um, it can't. There's no way it would get through editorial review. 
Um, so I think it's pretty soft. It's pretty gray hat. It, of course, according to Google, it's black. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, personally, I think it's inevitable that it happens. Well, it's interesting to me that in a lot of cases, a lot of these publications like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post, and I'm, I'm not so sure about Forbes, but I kind of assume that they get a lot of content submitted to them that they don't pay for it. They, the people, the, the authors want this stuff published on these sites so they can build up their own reputation as an author, so they can get connections with these publications. So, so they get this stuff in for free. The authors need to get paid somehow. So in many cases, this is a way for them to make a living. And I understand that, um, but it's, it's rough when they get busted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be pretty devastating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh well, it's uh, it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's always gonna happen. There's always gonna be someone who slips up, and and well, they have to get nailed for it. Yep. It's just the way of the world. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, I, I'm fading fast. So <laughs> you're fading fast. Get take some more drugs, quick. No, God, <laughs> Jeez, that's why I'm fading. On behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, thank you for joining us today. Have a great week. Remember remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Remember, don't do opioids, and thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.